As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Can't Wait Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. The Jets get back in the win column, 21-14 over the Texans. Zach Wilson played every offensive snap. We'll break down his performance, the defensive resurgence, and we'll explain why Connor took one step closer to bypass surgery on Sunday uh, with <laughs> the press box food power rankings. I also just wanted to say, uh, thank you for the kind words on social media about Rufus and hindsight. Probably should have waited until this week to talk about it. It got a little dusty here in the room when I was talking about the little guy, but uh, he was our guy for 10 years and uh, we said goodbye and people said nice things on Twitter and social media. So very much appreciate that as well. So I wanted to say that. Um, and it is what what's Tuesday? We had Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I feel like it's, it's only a matter Tuesday. of time. It's oh, it's giving, right, right, right. It's what giving does that mean? Tuesday. Instead of buying things for people. Yes, this is the most cost. important one, let's be honest. Right? Well, yeah, in the grand scheme of things. Can you give yeah. me an, an espresso machine then, Marissa? <laughs> no, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I can add it to my wedding registry for you if you want. There you go. Did you do any uh, fun any uh, fun Black Friday shopping? Anyone do any of that? This is probably like my weakest year yet, but did anyone do any? No. I used to live for like Black Friday. I did. I, do, I did get a little bit online, a little bit of online shopping done. But Connor, yeah, that's, I don't you're go. You're done all anymore. your Christmas shopping? No, no, not Holiday even close. Shopping. But because Bree and I are married now, and she's in the other room, so she's gonna hear this and then be like, "Oh, <laughs> I know." Like the pressure is alleviated for me because she's an incredible gift giver. And now that we're married, we're doing joint gifts, so it's from Connor and Bree. And I know she's gonna run point on that and then just kind of ask my opinion on things. But like the majority of the research is gonna be her. So I'm like, all right. I mean, it's more it's more stressful for her than me, but. I used to live for like the Black Friday shopping because that's when the video games all were put on sale. So you used to be able to get like, I remember $50 video games and eventually $60 video games. You could get them for like 25 bucks when I was a kid. So me and my friends would, would stay up late. We would go, we would wait until, you know, we'd have Thanksgiving. Then we'd meet at somebody's house. We'd wait till like 11 o'clock or so, then go out to the stores and, and wait for the doors to open and then rush into Walmart and Target and Best Buy to get the video games we wanted. I remember doing that. For Modern Warfare 2, Left 4 Dead, the Maddens, I would get NBA games, all that stuff. Because they were 25 bucks. Like, when, when else are you going to get games that cheap? And then when uh, 
they started opening these stores at like 10 p.m. and then 9 p.m. and then 8 p.m. and then some of them like the doorbuster sales start at like 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving. That's when I stopped going because that's kind of lame and I do like spending time with my family. So I, I would actually just I converted almost entirely to online shopping and I don't know if the deals are better in store than they are online, but I just stuck with online shopping. But the big get that Bree and I did actually come away with is we wanted to get a new Roomba. Like we, you guys have seen the Roomba run by my room every now and then. The battery's dying and the thing just like constantly needs to be charged. So we were looking for a new one of them. So we actually jumped on not a Roomba, but this thing called like a Robo Rock because it's apparently it has better suction than all of the Roombas. Um, and it also mops in addition to wow. vacuuming. And I've never felt more like a 30 year old, which I will be turning in February than getting legitimately excited that my Robo rock vacuum is going my Robo rock self emptying vacuum is going to be getting to my apartment today at some point. And uh, we're going to be able to set it up and, and make it work. So I'm, I'm excited about that. We had the, uh, the fun of not just putting like holiday lists for us, what we wanted, but putting one together for the baby. That was a good time. Like, oh yeah, man, I will give Manny credit for doing almost all of it, but uh, but I approved. I was like, yes, that was good. Yes, that was good. All right, should we talk about the Jets? I think we should talk about the Jets. Yeah, they won. Uh, they, they won. <laughs> of course, they won. But and we're going to get to the positive because everybody knows now. Positive Cano. I think we're going with the hashtag. <laughs> Did you miss the R on purpose? No, that was know. a total I'm... mistake. Yeah, that was a total. <laughs> just like I, I, I actually I had a typo, so I deleted the word. Uh, after Connor. And then when I did it, it accidentally took off the R and then I tweeted it and I didn't realize it until like three or four minutes later. And by that point, everyone was like, Connor, 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 Connor. And I was like, right, I'm just going to lean into this one. Um, hey, I'm from it. New England. I'm all about forgetting R's at the end of words. So it's, <laughs> it's all good. Um, so positive Connor, we will get to the positive stuff for sure. The defense was great. And, and the draft position is certainly good right now after the Monday night game. But uh, we got to start with the quarterback. And that was less positive. Zach Wilson, after watching Mike White be successful, Josh Johnson be successful, Joe Flacco kind of be successful, it was kind of the same old Zach Wilson. 14 of 24, 145, uh, no touchdowns, a pick. That's a 58.5 mm-hmm. rating. And 46 of those yards came on one quick curl route to 31% Braxton of those yards. Yeah, third or 31%, depending on how you want to do it. Um, it was a lot of the same stuff, Connor. Uh, he missed some easy throws. I mean, it, it's a process, right? He said that after the game. We'll we'll get to that word. It drives me nuts in sports, the word process. Um, but it was his first time back. We shouldn't talk about rust, I don't think. But we shouldn't have expected to see a completely different quarterback either. So what was your takeaway? Well, I mean, I get like I think you should give Zach Wilson some credit for being as critical of himself as he was. You know, I mean, he he did basically. I mean, he was he looked like somebody who shot his dog when he was on the post game press conference because he realized that he played poorly. Now, obviously, I I like the I like whenever like guys say like, look, I'm not going to make an excuse and then proceed to go and make excuses because he did. You know, he went out and he said like, look, I'm not going to make excuses. It wasn't rust. Uh, I just need to play better. But my knee's not right. My knee's not stable. It doesn't feel right. I'm thinking about it. Like, it's still an issue. The headsets went out. And, you know, he made, like, whatever. I was, I was kind of cracking up at that. But, look, I think I think what I – we've heard all and, – and this is, like, this is no uh, roaring defamation of, like, Zach Wilson as a player or as a person or anything like that. I mean, but we, we've basically had the Jets tell us over and over and over again for the last month about how much Zach Wilson's going to benefit from sitting and watching and how much he's going to sit and how much he's going to watch and how much he's going to learn from the bench. And he's going to see 
Mike White and he's going to see Joe Flacco and he's going to see Josh Johnson. And after seeing those three guys, he's going to see how this offense is supposed to run. He's going to see how this thing's supposed to work. And then he's going to take that and he's going to go in and, and reach a similar level of success when he gets back on the field. Like when Sam Darnold missed all that time with a foot injury, sat down, watched Josh McCown play, then came back in and played arguably the best stretch of his playing career, right? Like we're, we're going to see something similar from Zach Wilson. And instead we saw Zach Wilson against the Texans post injury after watching for a month, after seeing how this offense is supposed to work, look absolutely no different than the Zach Wilson pre-injury. And I know a lot of people now are, are talking, I've heard like Sala has said rust. Other people in the building have said rust and they pointed out rust and how it's always oh, rusty. He wasn't hundred percent. You know, he took a month off. Well, the month off was supposed to benefit him. The month off was supposed to make him look better. The month off was supposed to make him improve. And the other thing that I go back to, and the reason why I just think rust is such a lame excuse is like Mike White had never played a game in his NFL career. And in this offense, threw for 405 yards against a much better Cincinnati Bengal team. Josh Johnson hadn't played a game since 2018. He went out there and threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Joe Flacco hadn't played in almost a year. He went out and threw for 291 and two scores and no picks. All three of those quarterbacks also had rust. And all three of those quarterbacks within the structure of this offense found a way to have success. And with Zach Wilson, we were back to seeing the fireball, 100-mile-per-hour fastballs on every single throw, which when you need the 20-yard gain down the seam to Elijah Moore for the first down that works when you need the five yard pass to Tevin Coleman in the flat or Ty Johnson in the flat or Braxton Berrios on a drag that doesn't work we saw the again holding the ball too long and hitching and 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 not getting rid of it when he should which led to an increase in sacks which led to an increase in quarterback hitch which led to him rolling out on the left sideline, jumping over a defender, landing awkwardly on his knee and limping for a couple minutes afterwards. And that led to him saying how the knee isn't totally right. It's not 100% yet, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. All of the things that we criticized Zach Wilson for pre-injury, all the things that we said he needed to improve on pre-injury, they were all back again post-injury. And and look, this is not saying that Zach Wilson's going to be a bust. This isn't saying that, you know, or or hammering and ripping this kid because he's not a franchise quarterback yet in his seventh NFL starter, or why isn't he Justin Herbert? Or why is he not doing this? Or why is he not doing that? Because that, that would be wrong. It would be a disservice to him. It would be a disservice to the Jets. It would be a disservice to all rookie quarterbacks across the NFL who don't find a way to have that blow up immediate success like Justin Herbert did. However, you still, and this was the point of my column after the game, you still need to see more from Zach. You needed to see more against the Texans. You need to see more of these final six games. And it's not about being a franchise quarterback right now. It's not about being a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. It's more about Tim just making the most easy aspects of playing quarterback not look so hard. When it's not there, throw it away. Don't hold it. Don't wait. Don't hold it. Don't wait. Don't hold that weight and then get walloped. Get rid of it. When you have someone open five yards or behind the line of scrimmage, Make the throw to him. The the two perfect examples of that, which just had me wanting to pull my hair out in the press box, is, te is Tevin Coleman goes out in the flat to the right on like second and 10 or second and 12 or something along those lines. He's wide open. If Zach gets him the ball in the flat five yards away from him, Tevin Coleman's going to catch that ball and at a minimum pick up five to seven yards. That five to seven yards sits up a ridiculously manageable third down. You're not looking at third and three, third and four. Instead, Zach throws it high and a little bit behind him. So Tevin's got to jump up and catch it where even if he was able to bring it down and we got his hands on it, but it was super high. So it went through his hands. Even if he's able to get his hands on it because of the placement of the ball, 
it comes, he's going to come down and get hit and for a, a, a no gain, maybe one yard. If he gets hit in stride and he just hits it for five yards, he's catching the ball, he's picking up seven yards, right? The next play, Elijah Moore is coming across the middle on a drag, bounces at his feet. And don't get me wrong, like he did come back. The, the, the throw to Elijah Moore for 22, the throw to Elijah Moore for 16, the throw to Keelan Cole for 13 on fourth and five. Those were wildly impressive throws. They were. They were really, really, really impressive throws from Zach Wilson. But you just want to see a semblance of consistency at this point because I would trade those, wow, look at that laser beam, 22 yards, for him to connect on the five underneath patterns that would have had the Jets moving down the field in the first place. And I know Salah like, praised him for the, the three long drives he took the Jets on. He praised him for managing the game and all those things. And you're right, that is a step in the right direction. But when you look at his numbers, when you look at his statistics, under 60% completion percentage, again, the boneheaded interception, again, the missed intercept, the, the missed easy passes, again, those are the things that you want to be out of his game. They were the things that were supposed to be out of his game after watching Mike White and Josh Johnson and Joe Flacco. And instead, he looks exactly the same. And again, that doesn't mean this isn't going to improve. This doesn't mean it's not going to get better. But at this point, you do want to see him better than what he is right now. When you play rookie quarterbacks, again, it's not about them being all pros, franchise guys their first year, but you want to see him get a little bit better as the year goes on. I don't believe that you can make that statement about Zach Wilson. I don't believe you could have made that about him before the injury. I know Salah said he could, but in my opinion, you couldn't make that you couldn't make that statement about him getting better when he left the lineup against the Patriots. You can't make that statement when he's been reinserted into the starting lineup against the Texans. And that, to me, is a little alarming. And, and it goes even more, like, you can even go and criticize him for some of the, the fundamental breakdowns of, like, this is just, a, it's just a bang-bang play. Like, they, they ran a, an RPO uh, to Elijah Moore where they had Elijah Moore coming in on a slant. And when Zach put the ball out, basically the entire Texans defense jumped up. Like, they all took a step forward. Zach rightfully pulled the ball away and then just had a slant, a five-yard slant to Elijah Moore, where if he hits him on that play, you're talking about a house call. You're talking about a very similar situation when Flacco hit him and he went 62 yards to the house. Zach, like, starts backpedaling, doesn't plant his feet, and tries to sidearm and whip it to Elijah Moore. And by trying to sidearm and whip it to Elijah Moore, he ends up nearly having the pass intercepted at the Jets' like 10-yard line. So from what could have been a, a borderline gimme 90-yard house call, or at least a big gainer to Elijah Moore, to a near interception. Like, these are the plays that just shouldn't be happening. And you do see some of those dazzling plays, like the one there. He had the the where he uh, rolled out left and hit Ryan Griffin, and, and Ryan Griffin dropped the pass because Ryan Griffin sucks at football. Like, you see those things, <laughs> and they're good, and they're, and, and they're positives, and you do like them. But, like, you just – he's got to stop making the hard parts of this game – or the, he needs to stop making the easy parts of this game hard. He does, and he's and and for whatever reason, that's not happening. And it's not to write him off. It's not to say he's a bust. It's not to say he's not going to turn this around. I mean, look at Tua. Tua looked awful his first year, and now he's playing some really legitimate good yep. football. Like Tua's playing some good football for the Dolphins right now. DJ lets me know about it every single time we are in the press box together. Seriously, like like Tua's playing some good football. You can turn it around and play good ball, but like the easy parts again should not be so hard for Zach. And and. Again, I'm not ripping the kid. I'm not bagging on the kid, but it would be a disservice to him and it would be a disservice as a reporter to not tell you what I see when I see him play. And this doesn't mean that he can't turn it around again. I want to keep reiterating that because I don't want to have people in my mentions about, oh my God, you hate Zach Wilson so much. No, that's not. Trust me, Zach Wilson being good is good for my career. So I want the kid to be good. Like, that's all I, you guys know. I'm not a Jets fan, so I don't give two craps about that. But this guy being good is good for my career. 
So I want him to be killer. I want him to be all pro. I want to cover playoff games and Super Bowl runs and all that stuff. It is good for my career. Seriously. But right now, I expected to see a better Zach Wilson than what I've seen. And I haven't. If you look at Sam Darnold, his rookie year, he got better as the year went on. He finished the season with the best four-game stretch, arguably, of his career. Maybe Zach Wilson does that same thing. Maybe it was a little bit of rust and he had to knock it off and he comes out against the Eagles and plays really good football and comes out against the Saints and plays really good football. But right now I have to go off what my eyes see because I'm not in meetings with him. Not all, we don't get to see practice. And what my eyes see is a quarterback that struggled pre-injury and the exact same things he struggled with pre-injury after watching Johnson and watching White and watching Flacco and having this magic elixir of sitting back and observing. And that's all the Jets told us was that he's going to sit back and observe and he's going to be so much better and he's going to be better. He's going to benefit him so much. We see him his first game after seeing, watching, observing, and he's not any better. And now suddenly we're being told that there's rust. And like eventually the excuses need to stop for the kid and you just need to put it like it is, which is what I did in my post-game column. Put it like it is. He needs to play better. Period. Like Zach Wilson needs to play better. The Jets beat the Texans on Sunday, not because of him, but in spite of him. That's a fact. Josh Johnson could have done everything Zach Wilson did. Mike White could have done everything Zach Wilson did. Joe Flacco could have done everything Zach Wilson did. He needs to play better. Period. Doesn't mean he won't. Doesn't mean he's a bust. But at this point in his career, he needs to play better. Excuses need to stop. He's got his personal quarterbacks coach. He's got the veteran quarterbacks coach. He's got the offensive coordinator back in the booth. He's running an offense that Mike White, Josh Johnson, and Joe Flacco have all had immense success in. And it doesn't work with him. And the fact that it's not about Zach looking like a rookie, but Zach looking like the worst quarterback on the Jets roster right now, that's what needs to change. And I fully believe that it will. I fully believe that it can. But we got to now see it. We got to stop hearing it. We got to stop hearing it spoken to us. We got to have it stop being told to us. We need to see it with our eyes. The Jets see it on the practice field. The Jets see it with their in, in, in the film room. They see the signs that he's getting better every single day. But now we got to see it on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean the uh you got to keep remembering too that it was against the Texans. It's not a good football team in any way that he uh he did what he did. Uh, there was some bright notes on the offense. One was play calling. Continue to be impressed with the way LaFleur has developed over the course of the season and the usage of Elijah Moore who had four catches, 46 yards and they got him the ball in different ways, Connor, the way we've talked about it. Uh the jet sweep though with the sweep on fourth down was was cool. Um so even though Zach Wilson was struggling, at least they were still able to get Elijah Moore, the ball. That was the biggest positive I saw on the offensive side of things. Not even, not even just the that the not even just the getting Elijah Moore the ball. And, and I wrote about this uh, yesterday. It's the way in which they got Elijah Moore the ball. Like, like I, I think that's what I've I've been most impressed with with Mike Lafleur. Ever since that Cincinnati Bengal Mike White game, is that his creativity, his ingenuity, his his the way that he's taken this offense and been like. Let's go have some fun. It's working. And the first, this is actually literally what I wrote, was the first four or five games of this Jets season, watching Michael Floor, I'm not going to lie, I was sitting up in the booth saying, like, I wonder if that offensive genius gene skipped a generation with him and his brother. <laughs> because the the scheme was was boring. It was not interesting. It wasn't fun. There wasn't creativity. It was It was like... Honestly, it kind of reminded me of the offense that I covered with Jeremy Bates and the offense that I covered with Adam Gase. And it was just like, man, here we go again. It's it's another situation where the Jets just can't find an offensive coordinator. And 
ever since he went back up in that booth, and and I don't know how much that had to play with it, but it, it is going to be like the the marking point of like where everyone looks at. Well, when he went to the booth and he became booth floor, when he went back up there, or when he went up there, things started changing. And and I, I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast last week, but. There was a play against the Dolphins where he took Elijah Moore because Elijah Moore is the one who's who's benefiting most from this from this newfound Michael Floor. Like he's the one who's cha- he's the one who's easily the one who is benefiting the most against the Dolphins. They took Elijah Moore and they they lined him up almost in a offset wing back or offset halfback formation, like they were running the wing tee. I mean, I remember sitting up in the press box and looking down on it and seeing Elijah Moore in like that H back position. And looking at it and being like, man, that's like the offense Seneca High School ran when I was there. Like you got the you got the the tailback in the back, the quarterback under center, the running back on the right, and the running back runs left and right and goes back and then can get it on the sweep or they can come around and you run jet sweeps. And I was like, man, it's like it's like the wing T. But lined up on the right side of the formation, Elijah Moore then burst vertical off the line and then began to transition toward the left half of the field. And he was open. And I remember tweeting that was really creative. That was fun. He was open. Flacco just didn't go his way. Flacco went right. But if he had locked on to Elijah Moore, and I don't know if the Jets were using it to set something up in the future, but he saw Elijah Moore. And if he saw, or if he saw Elijah Moore, I should say, it's going for like 60-yard touchdown. Like the guy is wide open. Like it was a great, great creativity, great way to get him lined up. He ended up being matched up on like a linebacker safety. So he just blew past those guys. It was fun. Then you see the very next week, the creativity continues. The play where... They motion Tevin Coleman right near the goal line, and they take Elijah Moore, and they put him in the backfield. Elijah Moore then goes left. Zach fakes it to him and then comes back to Tevin Coleman. It didn't totally work because Coleman was covered, but that creativity is unique. Fourth and one, Jets need a first down. Instead of running it up the middle like they had done before where Greg Van Roten got beat, and it's like, oh, no, what are you doing? You go, like, come on, what are you doing? He brings Elijah Moore on the sweep. Hands it to him while he's basically running full speed, so he's got all his momentum going. Takes it around the outside, first down Jets. Like, that's cool. That's creative. That's even when they need to get Zach Wilson going, they're like, all right, let's get him the easy throws. Let's just take it out of him. Let's give him sweeps and handoffs and stuff like that. The little underneath, like, basically grandma throw pass where he got it to, to Elijah Moore, took it around the outside for a first down. Like, that creativity from the floor and the way the Jets are now designing ways to get the ball in Elijah Moore's hands, I mean, that has been what we've been clamoring for them to do every moment that, that Elijah's been in the lineup. We've been saying, just get the ball in this guy's hands. He is the most explosive player on your offense. Corey Davis, maybe your best maybe your best overall receiver. Jameson Crowder, maybe your best route runner. Keelan Cole is probably the fastest player on this team. But Elijah Moore is your most explosive player. Just give him the ball, and good things happen. Remember the little screen pass they threw him against the New England Patriots in Foxborough where he made two guys miss and got the first down. Like, just get this kid the ball. And the Jets are starting to just design ways to put the ball in his hands, and you're starting to see the benefit of it. I mean, it's really fun. It is really, really fun watching this guy play, really fun watching this guy work. And and a really, honestly, like a big hat tip to Michael LaFleur because he's kind of started to really expand this offense. He's gotten more aggressive. He's gotten more creative. He's gotten more like a guy who resembles that quote-unquote offensive genius, and I'm fascinated by it. And, and we talked to him on Thursday, and the one thing I'm going to ask him, and, and I'm very I'm very curious to say this, is like, why has the creativity come about now? Is it because the Jets are getting more plays? Is it because he's changed a little bit? Is it because he's seeing the field differently? Because there has been a stark difference in that department over the last few weeks, and I want to know why. And and I didn't get a chance to ask him on Friday, obviously, because it was Black Friday and, and stuff like that, and we were tied down as a family. Uh, but this week, I'm excited to ask him about that because I'm curious what he's going to say. 
Yeah, me too. Uh, We're going to talk about the defense, more positive stuff coming up after this break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, we are back, and we are talking about the defense, which held the Texans to 45 yards in the second half, allowed the Jets to come back and win this football game. They did all the things they were doing early in the season. They had a pass rush. Uh, John Franklin Myers with a couple of sacks plus the interception. The Williams brothers were good. A couple of sacks between them. I mean, all over, Connor, you started to see there's these positive signs on defense that, honestly, I didn't see coming three weeks ago. Yeah, we should we should talk a lot about that. But the first thing I want to I want to touch upon is is honestly that you you said is the is the Williamses. You know, like Quincy and Quinnen. I I just you know it's it's cool when. It's it's cool when when you have like two brothers in the NFL, right? Because you had Tiki and Rondé Barber, like that was pretty cool. You've got the Watts, that's pretty cool. I mean, you have the Gronkowskis, that was pretty cool. You had the Mannings, that was pretty cool. I mean, anytime Hasselbacks, like there, there's been tons of them. Like it's it's cool anytime you have brothers playing. It's uniquely cool when you have both brothers that play on the same side of the ball, right? Like I I don't like this. I don't know if there's ever been a quarterback receiver brother combination, but that would have been kind of cool. You know what I mean? Or or like when you had Sterling and Shanning Starb receiver and tight end. Like it's been that's been that's been pretty neat. It's almost unheard of when you have two brothers playing on the same side of the ball, all both within the same age, right? And it is unheard of when they play for the exact same team. Right, because I mean, you have the Watts like are together in 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 uh in Pittsburgh right now, but but they don't play like the one's a fullback and the other one's a defensive end. So they're not playing on the same side of the ball. It's not like you have JJ and TJ on the same defensive line. So for the, the Jets, McCordys were... would be the closest thing. I think, yeah, right? yeah, the McCordys. Yeah, where you have a corner and a secondary. Yeah, like that's probably about as close as you can get. But I think what's wild, and and it is, and it does work out with with that as well, with the McCordys as well, is that the Jets now suddenly have. Quincy and Quinn and Williams, two brothers, two young brothers playing on the same defense. That's cool. But what's wild is that they're both playing really good football. Like both players look like they're real players. Like when the Jets first signed Quincy, when they first claimed him off the waiver wire, I remember sitting there thinking like, oh, that's cute. Like they want to pair Quinn and Quincy together. They have the Williams brothers. And I was like, Quincy is going to be a special teamer. Like, if the guy has to play significant defense, the Jets are probably in trouble. And and the reason why the Jets claimed him, and Salo explained it, is that they viewed him when they scouted him back when he came out of the draft, was a third-round pick, as a athletic, fast, physical, 100-mile-per-hour, no-bullshit, knock-your-teeth-out linebacker, where he's not a thinker, he's just see-ball, get-ball, and he's best fit in an attacking defense. 
And when the Jaguars drafted him, they were still kind of running that same Robert Sala defense there. But one of the reasons why Sala wanted him in San Francisco was because he felt that that skill set would be a perfect fit in his defense. When Urban Meyer took over in Jacksonville, he brought in a new scheme. He brought in a new defense, and it was more thinking, and it was more reactionary, and and that's not Quincy, so they moved on from him and they cut him. Sala and Douglas jumped at the opportunity to add him to this defense because they felt like their scheme could get the best out of him. I don't know if they expected to get this, though, because this guy looks like a legitimate player. Like, he doesn't look like, I mean, he doesn't look like he's just playing because he has to. He doesn't look like he's just making plays anymore. I mean, every when he was first got out there with the Jets, Quincy, he was he was very much like the uh, a, a more athletic version of Neville Hewitt, where he's going to be out of position. He's not always going to do the right thing. But when he hits somebody, he's going to knock the hell out of them. And that's obviously going to make people think he's a little bit better than he is. But over the last couple of weeks, he's really developed. He's really coming to his own. And the mistakes have slowly but surely gone down and down and down. And the big plays have gone up and up and up. I mean, last week, the 15 tackles, he's a big reason for the Jets' defensive resurgence against the Dolphins. This week, again, top, I think he had seven tackles this week. He had the sack this week. Like, he's making really good plays. And then you add him into Quinn and Williams, who was obviously a defensive mainstay, six sacks this year. He's he's developing and trying to become one of the league's premier 34 defensive ends. It's really neat to have those two guys both playing on the same group. I mean, I just, I just think that's cool. I genuinely do. I think that's awesome. And and I know the Jets invested a lot in, in Jared Davis. I know that he's a player that it was, I mean, a lot of money, but not years. It's only a one-year deal. But they signed him to be a, a staple on their defense. They wanted him, like uh, Robert Sala said when he was first coming back from injury, He's a starter. He's going to play starter reps. You you can't discount the fact that while the Jets have taken him out of the lineup to give him a little bit more time to heal up, Quincy Williams goes back in and suddenly the defense looks completely different. I mean, it is a completely different defense when Quincy Williams is out there. And I don't know if it's the yin and the yang of him and CJ. CJ, who's such a cerebral player, such a thinker, such a smart player. I don't know if having him there paired with the wild child Tasmanian devil that is Quincy Williams is just like an ideal pairing that makes this defense work, but it works. And for whatever reason, I wouldn't break up the marriage because right now the jets have played some really good football on defense. And when they've played really good football on defense, it's been when Quincy Williams is out there. And when they play really bad, it's been when Quincy Williams is not out there. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't go shaking it up if you don't have to. And, and the fact that these two guys are brothers I think that's just awesome. Like, I, I really do believe that that's just really, really cool. The other real feel-good story on this defense is Elijah Riley. Talk about guys coming out of nowhere. I think um, your quote on the podcast last week was when you're talking about just the fact that he played, Connor was like, who? And yeah. and it's fair, um, but look at this guy. Two games in, he's playing well. His, his PFF grade 73.9 through two games. I mean, th- here's another situation where you got to give some credit to this front office for finding a guy in a practice squad around the league, and he's contributing. Sorry, I was tweeting. I wanted to tweet this out. Yeah, so here's the thing. The Jets, I, like they, they, I, you know, there's there's connections, obviously, the Eagles staff because of of uh, Joe Douglas and stuff like that. But and I know, Marissa, you were telling me that that we should actually have Bo on. I don't know if he's available. Just kind of come on Whoa, five minutes and, and talk about. Oh yeah, <laughs> Bo Wolf, our Eagles guy, apparently was a big uh, uh, Riley fan, big Elijah said, Riley fan. Yeah, yes, and, and said he was like tearing it up or something like that in Philadelphia, and he thought he was a really good player and going to be a really good player. And and the Jets. The Jets were literally able to get this kid, undrafted guy out of Army, really hasn't played too much football in his career, was stashed on the Eagles practice squad for nothing. 
And ever since they got him and they brought him in and he traded in his Kelly green helmet for the Gotham green one, it has, or he has wildly impressed the coaching staff. He's everywhere on the field. He runs around like crazy. But the one thing that this staff loves more than anything else is that he tends to be or seems to be a ball hawk. Where, you know, we, we talked about this with the Jets secondary, right? Is And and we should talk about this too, to, this too Tim. Make a note on, on Bryce Hall's kind of continued development. But the Jets it's look at Bryce Hall. Bright, sweet. Bright, the one I don't look at. Bryce Hall. <laughs> the Jets look at Bryce Hall, Brandon Eccles, and Mike Carter and see all three of those guys as, as good players. You know, good players to potentially really good players. But they see all three of them as number two corners. And the one thing that's separating them from being a number one corner is they just don't have the innate, that innate ability to find the football, whether it's an interception, whether it's a forced fumble, whether it's, you know, just it's sometimes it's luck where the ball just bounces up in the air and it finds their way to their hands. There are players like New England's J.C. Jackson that just intercept passes. Players like Trayvon Diggs in Dallas that just intercept passes. They're not the best coverage guys in the world. They're going to get beat sometimes, but they're number one corners, game-changing corners, because they find the football. They just have an ability to go and find the football. That's not really Bryce Hall. He doesn't have that ability. Good player. Looking like he's developed, really coming along this year. Same thing with Brandon Eccles. Jets really believe in his upside. Same thing with Mike Carter. Jets love his upside in the player he is right now. But none of those guys are get-ball guys. And they don't believe they really have a get-ball guy in their secondary. Because it's it's not really Marcus May as the deep threat. It hasn't really been Ashton Davis this year. All the Jets are holding out hope he can develop and, and still view him right now kind of as still a rookie because he didn't really have a rookie season, then got hurt, missed the whole offseason. So he's still learning this defensive scheme and coming along. But they don't really have a player on defense, unless maybe it's it's Shaq Lawson and John Franklin Myers, that are like, go, balls in the air, get the ball, pick it off. Ever since Elijah Riley's arrived with the Jets, that's everything he's been doing in practice. Every day in practice, it seems like he's around the ball. Every day in practice, he's getting his hands on the ball. Every day in practice, he seems like he's coming away with an interception. And so Salah saw this, Ulbrich saw this, and they were like, you know what? Let's put the guy out there. Let's 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 put the guy on defense. We've got nothing else. I mean, who who are we benching? Like like Wilson, Neesman? I mean, who are we taking off at safety? Like with with our guys out. Let's put him out there. We signed him off the Eagles practice squad. He's impressed us since he's been here. Let's give him a chance to start. And against the the Dolphins, he looked pretty good and he kind of stabilized that back end a little bit with Ashton Davis. Here against the the Houston Texans, he was in the backfield for for uh, to help slow down a running back to get a tackle for a loss. He solo got a tackle for a loss himself. He was active near the line. You could tell every time he makes a play, he goes crazy where he's fist bumping the air, and you can tell he's an energetic wild child, very similar to Quincy Williams. The one thing that we haven't seen yet on Sundays that the Jets have seen and they can't wait and they're hoping they start to see it in games is that ability to get the football, to intercept the football, to make plays on the football. And, you know, we've seen enough guys that have been with the Jets and gone elsewhere and suddenly randomly found success. You know, obviously Danny Woodhead's the famous one where he went to New England and he was, you know, the Jets cast off. He made some plays and all of a sudden he exploded with with New England. It would be kind of cool if the Jets finally get one to go their way where they have this position of need, right? They need safeties. They look to the Eagles practice squad. They they bring this guy, Elijah Riley, in. And they give him an opportunity to play and he turns out to be a pretty good player because we've seen from him already the physicality. We've seen from him the intensity. We've seen from him the the energy ball that he brings to him and the rest of the guys on defense. Now it's about seeing him intercept, start intercept, intercepting some passes. And if he can find a way to get himself around footballs, if he can found, find a way to start taking footballs away from the opposition and be that player on defense that sees ball, gets ball, 
not just hits like Quincy Williams, but actually picks it off in the secondary, a player that the Jets don't really have. Maybe they found someone pretty good. I mean, at this point, that's that's what you can watch the rest of the way. I mean, you've got seven games now, six, seven games now where they can evaluate and they can try to develop and they can see some players where you're like, you know what? Next year, maybe we don't have to give a ton of money to a free agent safety. Maybe next year we don't have to invest a, a second round pick or a third round pick in a safety. Maybe we try to go into this one with a veteran that we can get, like they that when they signed Lamarcus Joyner, they got Lamarcus Joyner pretty cheap. Maybe we can go in there with with another player like Lamarcus Joyner, and then let Ashton Davis and Elijah Riley compete for a starting job. Because one of the players that I've been impressed with on defense since he took over, and and Quincy obviously is one of them. Like I think Quincy you know takes the cake on all of that. But another player that's kind of been like who, and then wow, has been Elijah Riley. It really has. All right, you mentioned Bryce Hall, uh, so we might as well get back to him as well. And one thing that I think is interesting is maybe he's never going to be a number one corner. That's fair. But right now on this roster, he is getting the best receiver on the other team week to week. He's getting moved around to cover that best receiver, which is only going to make him better. Yeah, yeah. And I look give give Bryce Hall a lot of credit because when he first started, I was like, man, is he really in it? And a lot of I give Jeff like Jeff fans, but he's one of those guys that's been like a Jet fan favorite, right? And and Jet fans generally find, um, I'll actually I'm going to tweet this out that we're talking about Bryce Hall because everyone seems to really like Bryce Hall. Talking Bryce Hall now. Command V. Need our own social media post. Uh, used to have one associate, and she started doing everything else. <laughs> Marissa does the tweeting. Remember that? That was fun. We do need that. But I, I would settle. I mean, we, we got Marissa. We just got Marissa a, a microphone. So I don't know how much longer it's going to take yes. before. I don't know how much longer it's going to take before we get a social media person to, to run our run our Twitter. I think we're, the chat we're on like we're on like six months Connor. of waiting for a new logo. Multitasking Connor is is pretty entertaining. Where are we at with that, by the way? Do we know real quick before we go into Bryce Hall? We let some people join to hear us talk about Bryce Hall. Are we close to getting a new logo in March? Uh, I have a call this week. Yeah. Can we get, uh, so for the, oh, you do have a call this week. Oh, so this is very good. You you add this to your list. When Connor has them live on the podcast, they're always super entertaining. Yeah. Tim and I are sitting here like with our, you know, on eggshells, like, yeah, just don't get me fired, Connor. Don't get me fired for merch. Positive Connor over there. Positive Connor would like the following merch for the can't wait podcast added and, and everyone who's joining, we're going to talk about Bryce Hall, but I need to get this across to Tim now. Cause I'm going to forget. And we have to leave. You have obligations. I have obligations. One. I think these would sell incredibly well. I think if we have can't wait mugs, coffee mugs, or like travel coffee mugs, I think that would be good. Obviously shirts and hoodies. I think that would be good. <laughs> if we can somehow make like sayings and stuff that get going with the can't wait merch so that, that are like, um, relevant to the season, like, you know, uh, just give it to Elijah and then the can't wait logo at the top. I think that would sell very well. And the other big one is golf polos because I don't think enough merch places give out golf polos because they're versatile gear. I mean, you can wear them out to nice dinners and all that stuff. So I think that that, and also, uh, um, yeah, that's all I got. And hats, hats. I want can't wait hats, but I, before you order the can't wait hats or anyone orders can't wait hats, make sure that I am there to help pick them because they need to they need to be structured right because sometimes they're like too small and so they fit weird and sometimes they're too big so they sit like that so I need to be involved in the hat picking because they need to like this one like this one from Roback like this is a perfectly proportioned hat like it's a great hat it's a good one so before we order can't wait hats I need to be a part of that because even sometimes Under Armour and Nike ones aren't good so we're going to need to 
I'm going to need to be involved in that. So fair enough. Bryce Hall. Sure. Bryce Hall. So <laughs> Jet fans love this kid. And it was, you know, every year with with players, like there's always like the random guy, usually a, a middle, a middle like uh, round guy or a late round guy that fans just grab onto and hold him like he's their their firstborn kid and they just want him to be great. And I like I always watch him like I got to see the kid. I got to see him play football because I, I I've seen enough of these eh, kids where it's like, no, like this guy doesn't make it or all that fun stuff. So Bryce Hall was one where I was like, all right, I got to see more. Like, I know he had the impressive interception against the Rams. I know he played okay as a rookie, but I was like, I got to see him. And in training camp, he did leave much to be desired. There wasn't like any point in training camp where I thought, oh my God, this guy's a no doubt starter. Like I was like, okay, he's somebody that you can continue to develop. But what we've seen as this season began and has gone on is a kid who's really developed. And again, I, I want to stress, I, he's not a number one corner. He's not. He's not, he's not ever going to be an elite level number one. And the reason why I don't think he's going to be an elite level number one is because of the ball skills that he just doesn't have. I mean, this guy, I mean, if the ball's a magnet, his hand's the opposite pole, and it, like, deflects. I mean, the guy can't get an interception to save his life. It reminds me, actually, a little bit of Prince of Mukamara, the former Giants cornerback. Like, he was Prince, and Prince had a hell of a career. Like, Prince of Mukamara had a hell of a career. He played well for the Giants, went on, had a really decent tenure with the Chicago Bears as well. And he was a guy that played really good coverage, was a really good number two for the Giants and a really good number two for the Bears, but he just couldn't intercept the football. He just could it, it just he, he didn't have that ability to just get the football for whatever reason. It just, it just never seemed to happen for him. What I think we've seen Bryce Hall do, and I know he's shadowing the opponents number one now. I mean, he's shadowing the opponents number one out of like necessity because if he's not, you basically got to go to Isaiah Dunn. Now, Javelin Gidry had a hell of a game against the the Dolphins, and I think you're going to see that going forward. I'm sorry, Michael Dunn's and your that your Dunn brethren is is not playing all that well, but um, I think that Javelin Gidry at least stabilized that outside some against Houston, and I think you're going to see him with uh, with Bryce Hall and then Carter in the slot the rest of the way. But I think what we've seen now from Bryce Hall is the ability to really be that number two, that he is the guy that if you pair him with a true number one, and then you have Mike Carter in the slot, you have a legitimate one, two, three cornerbacking trio that is going to be, that, that's a, that's a secondary you can win with. And you got to fix and adjust the safety position. Some, you still need another pass rusher, but I think if you add, we're not going into this off season anymore saying the jets need to completely remake their cornerbacking position. We're not going into it saying, oh my God, they need two, three corners plus two safeties. What we're saying now is they just need a number one corner because Bryce Hall can be your number two. Carter can be your nickel. Javelin Gidry and Isaiah Dunn, who are both under contract, can be that rotation to fill in. If Hall goes down, you now have confidence in Gidry. If Carter goes down, you know Gidry can play in there. The Jets still do believe in, in Isaiah Dunn, so if he develops a little bit more and then somebody goes down, he can go in. I mean, he's going to get his scars this season taking a beating. Eccles, same thing. If, if Hall goes down or even this one, you can put Eccles out there as well. With Hall now and the way that he's developed this year, you now know you have a fixture as one of your starting corners. With Carter, you know you have a fixture as one of your starting corners. Now it's just about finding that true number one. If that's Jackson, if that's Stingley, as as Dane Brugler mocked to the Jets today in his first uh, first first round mock, this like you've you now have the makings of a secondary, and you you have the starting makings of a secondary because of the development of Hall. Big reason because of the development of Hall. I mean, we kind of always figured Carter was going to be a player in the nickel there. 
I didn't think the Jets had an outside corner. I didn't believe in Eccles. I didn't really believe in Hall, and I didn't really believe in Dunn. The Jets believe in Eccles, although I haven't seen it yet. But with Hall, the Jets believe in him, and now I've seen enough of him to say, like, okay, he's a starting corner in the NFL. He's a number two corner in the NFL. Now go get your number one. And, and that's been one of the more positive developments of this Jets season. All right, draft pick update and press box food power rankings coming up after this break. All right, we're going to get to the uh, abundance of food available in Houston. But first, the draft pick update. The Jets move back a spot with the win, but amazingly don't lose that spot because the Seahawks went out on Monday night uh, and ruined my picks because I was on my way to a 3-0 and week, guys. I was going to be back in it. And the Seahawks lay an egg in Washington. They lose 17-15 on Monday night. So now they're 3-8. and eight. Same record as the Jets. They have the number four pick. Jets five. Can you imagine if the Jets pick four and five? That'd be fantastic. And there's a chance the Giants could pick six and seven. Doesn't and the, speak aren't well the Eagles for, nine and ten? And the Eagles are nine and ten. <laughs> yeah, they should Doesn't speak well for Northeastern United States American yeah. football. But No, no, it doesn't. Uh, anyway, Connor, the Seahawks thing is incredible. Yeah, it is. And and that's that's the most man when and and the Jets are in as disbelief of this as anyone else. I mean, when they traded Jamal Adams, the assumption is like you trade for a first round pick. When you trade for a first round pick, you value it by where you believe it's going to go. The Jets viewed that as a pick that was going to be anywhere from 20 to 32. They thought the Seahawks had a chance to win a Super Bowl. And the fact that they got this pick from Seattle and that we are now on November 30th and that Seahawks pick, the Jets are three and eight. And that Seahawks pick is better than the one that the Jets have is mind-blowing. I can't believe it. People in that building can't believe it. But they're heel-clicking down the hallways, realizing, like, holy crap, it was the... Oh, no. Do I still have you guys? Can yeah, Tim talk? Yep. Oh, no. Hello. Now you're, you're coming out of my speaker. Damn. I hate I hate how the iPad does... The, or the... um. Let me see if... Oh, no, you're back. Okay, good. I hate how, like, when you take the AirPod out, it, like, immediately disconnects. It's like, okay, I guess you want to put these away. Like, no, it fell out of my ear because you're original AirPods suck. Um, but like when they looked at this pick originally, it was like the, the fact, like, again, the fact that this pick organically, like it's this bad. No one's the jets didn't see this. No one around the league saw this. And it's just like, it just keeps getting better and better and just completely fleecing them. Like it's, it, it's a ridiculous fleecing. The fact that the jet, the fourth pick in the draft is owned by the Seahawks and the jets hold that pick. The Seahawks with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Jamal Adams is the fourth pick. Like that just that blows my mind. And it's I mean, it's it's a trade by trading a, a box safety who can't cover and is now shying away from contact on runs by trading that away. The Jets are potentially having two picks within the top 10 that could be cornerstone. Change your franchise selections, change your franchise selections because they traded away a box safety who didn't want to be here like that is ridiculous to me. And now I will say, like going across the schedule, and we did this last week, like you can't obviously count. Any, after the Seahawks lost to, to to Washington, you can't count on them to beat anybody. But they're scheduled the rest of the way. I mean, it's not, quote-unquote, easy, I would say. I mean, San Francisco, week 13, I would assume that's a loss. Like, I, I don't see how they're going to beat the 49ers, who now suddenly seem like they're playing some really good football. They're healthy. The defense is back. Jimmy Garoppolo is back to managing the game pretty well. So I, th I think the Seahawks lose to San Francisco pretty easily. They should beat the Texans in week 14. They play the Rams in week 15. I think that's going to be a loss. I wouldn't write them as beating the Chicago Bears in week 16. I mean, I don't think the Bears are a terrible football team. I know Matt Nagy's not a very good coach, but they've got pieces on defense. And Justin Fields seems like he's getting better. And if he's back in the lineup, or even if it's Andy Dalton, I mean, we just watched Tyler Heineke beat 
the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Like, I would not rule off the Chicago Bears of beating them. Then in week 17, they play the Detroit Lions, so they're probably going to beat them. But then you get week 18, the Arizona Cardinals. So there's a chance here that the Seahawks lose, go lose to San Francisco, lose to Los Angeles, lose to Chicago, and lose to Arizona. And then if they beat Detroit and Houston, that's a two and four finish. Like that's that's gonna put them in a, that's gonna take them probably out of the top four, but that's still probably gonna be a six or the top six, top seven pick. That's pretty impressive. And now the Jets schedule, obviously, the way that they beat the Texans and it's all uh, Zach Wilson predicated. But if the defense plays like they did against Houston and the defense plays like they did against Miami, the Jets are going to have a chance against Philadelphia week 13, against Miami week 15, against Jacksonville week 16, and the, the Bills are resting their starters potentially week 18 as well. So, I mean, there's a chance actually that the Jets win out here or not win out, but win some games to close out this season. I don't think you're looking at a, a top four. I don't think you're looking at the Jets picking four and five in the draft this coming year, but I do think you're looking at a team that's going to be picking six and eight, maybe five and nine. I mean, there, there's a chance that this Jets, this like I said, there's a chance that this Jets draft can be franchise altering. And then obviously we've talked, we talked last week about you loop in the, the pick from the Panthers as the Panthers keep losing because shocker, Cam Newton stinks. The Cam Newton that sucked with the Patriots is the same Cam Newton that sucks now because he's old and can't throw. Like, stunner, everybody, just because he went back to Carolina doesn't mean he can suddenly play quarterback again. But with them continuing to lose and them continuing to stink, like, this is a this is a draft coming up that if Joe Douglas even bats it like a 250 clip, like, he's got a chance to really turn the Jets franchise around, honestly. And it will say one more yeah. quick question. I swear to God, my friends joke with me about this all the time, and, and it's true. Like, if I'm an opposing general manager and Joe Douglas calls me about trading, I'm just not answering the phone. I don't care what he's offering. I don't care what it's what, how great of a deal it seems like. I am not answering the phone if Joe Douglas is calling about a trade. I'm done with that. Like that. If I'm an opposing general manager, done. Nope. You see Joe. Hey, Joe, what's up? Hey, I was thinking about trading. Click. Hang the phone up. Because this is like the a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon. Like, just stop. Just stop trading with the guy. Like, it's amazing. how It's amazing how these deals turn out for the Jets. Just stop. Sam Darnold, a two and a four. Like it's, it's, and the guy's not even playing anymore. And he was awful when he was like, just, just stop talking to the guy. You're not like all the new NFL rules. You're not allowed to trade with Jet. Uh, you're not allowed to trade with Joe Douglas. That's the rule. That's like the giants uh, of baseball in uh, major league baseball. All right. Uh, press box food, power rankings. We haven't really done this all season. I don't think, but we got to do it this week because Houston checking in at number three, yeah. just behind Raymond James and Mercedes Benz. Um, we're going to bring up a picture. There was a lot of pictures. You can check them out on Connor's Instagram, uh, which he's pushing anyway. So any chance you can get some extra love on Connor's Instagram. But this is the, I think it's the maple bacon donut, yeah. Connor. Maple bacon donut. Oh, oh, it looks maple good. Did you bacon. eat that whole thing? I did. Yeah, I did. And actually, that's not my maple bacon donut. That is Rich Samini's maple bacon donut because mine was devoured about two seconds later. Um, but yeah. Connor, this was don't a you know the phone eats first? Come on. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, that's, I, that's a good line. Is that, is that a, is that a, a, yeah, that's like an Insta Instagram line. The phone oh, okay. eats first. You got to take a photo of it. That's a good, you... that's a good line. I, I've never heard that before. That's a good line though. I gotta say, I gotta say that to Brie. <laughs> I don't know if Brie knows that line. That's a good one though. Um, yeah, the reason we haven't done like the, the press box power rankings is because I mean the, we haven't really been to that many new stadiums. So, like Tottenham Spur was one, but like that stadium's one where it's like, it's a spectacle. Tottenham. Tottenham. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, totally screwed that one up. Um, that's one where it's like a spectacle when you're there. So it's like a Super Bowl spread. So you can't really count that one. Like I can't rank that against what like the Falcons give you daily or what the Giants give you daily. That's just, I can't do that. So 
that one was kind of canceled out. Then Green Bay wasn't totally fully back when they were doing their their power, like their their press spread. Like they were still kind of COVID-ish because we got like a box food. So that was weird. And then the Giants were like sandwiches. But at least now we're back fully. Like the last four or five stadiums I've been to, they've all been stadiums I've been to before, but they are actual press spreads. This was the first new one I've been to. And when I tell you like that was uh, something called um, Voodoo Donuts is what they had. So, like, apparently they're all over Food Network. I don't know. Guy Fietti. Yeah, there you go. Voodoo Donuts. Like, Guy Fietti is my uh, my my boy. It's one of the my celebrity crushes. Um, I, I've i never seen him go to Voodoo Donuts, so I haven't heard of it yet. But you walk into the press box, and there's a giant, like, Houston Texans layout. And all around the center is nothing but desserts. So, there's pecan pies. There's more donuts and unique donuts than you can ever see. And if you want to see pictures of all this stuff, it's on my Instagram, at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Marissa dropped the link. Like or chop the link below. Like, like you can go to my Instagram and see all the pictures and stuff like that. But they uh, they had like a massive spread of just donuts and cakes. And then in the back there was a cooler filled with ice cream. To your left you've got cake pops, like like the Starbucks cake pops and a whole hot chocolate station and all that. Food was chicken fajitas and beef fajitas and breakfast sandwiches and rice and beans and all that stuff. Halftime was Chick Fil A chicken fingers and and Chick Fil A sauces and it was. The the quality was not as good as Mercedes Benz, which also gives you a soft serve Carvel ice cream machine and Krispy Kreme donuts. So that's still number two, and the quality was not nearly as good as um, uh, Raymond James, which is just next level dynamite. But the overall spread, the quantity, the quality compared to everyone else that isn't number one or number two, it was top notch. And I know like any any other reporter is gonna be like, you've not, how is Dallas not on this list? I've never been to Dallas. So I know I know Jerry's world is like going to be number one once I've been there. I've just never been there before. I know Minnesota going to be great, just haven't been there before. So like I know these things, but because I haven't been there, it doesn't really count yet. But for right now, NRG, well done. Number three, big fan of it. I uh, can't wait to go back hopefully soon because Houston was kind of lame. Houston was kind of boring. Didn't really like that setup. But I will say uh, the the spread was was next level, especially those donuts. I mean, I had two. I had a powdered one as well. I might as well just admit that here. I had a piece of pecan. I had the little pecan pie bite. I ate that. I had to do it. I mean, I had to do it for research purposes. How were you able was, to like? Yeah, was for how were you able to write after all of this? Like, if I eat that <sighs> much junk food, like I need to like take a nap. I love. I don't see. Here's my thing: is I don't like sweets in terms of like cake. Like a, like a cake or generally a pie. Like I'm not going to have like a big piece of apple pie. If Brie made uh, uh, like my cake, it has to be vanilla cake, chocolate frosting. And it has to be like the Betty Crocker, like cream cheese type frosting. Otherwise, I won't eat it. Like I won't touch it. But if you put crumb cake out there, if you put donuts out there, if you put th- powdered donuts, glazed donuts, that's where my sweet tooth kicks in. All the other stuff I can do without. So this was I walked in. I'm like, this is my heaven. Like, I mean, they had don- they had like Oreo donuts where it's like a, van- a vanilla a vanilla glazed donut with Oreo crumbles on top. The bacon wrapped one was like, what the hell is going on? Joe Douglas at one point walked in the press box and he goes, like, he, he saw us. So he goes like, oh, hey, guys, how you doing? I was like, dude, there is a bacon wrapped ma- maple donut over there. And you should have seen Douglas's. It, Doug- you would have thought I just offered Douglas another first round pick with how his eyes <laughs> opened up when I said that. So he ran over and that lucky bastard, as soon as he came in, they brought out new voodoo donuts. So I was like, you mother. Oh, my God, I got a. I got one that had been sitting for like 10 minutes. He got one fresh out the oven. So that was really upsetting. But yeah, I overall NRG, great job. Well done. Any more stops that are could rank this year? Or is that it? Um, no. So we've got Miami next, which the Miami food scene is great, but the stadium's usually just eh. Like I think it's in I think it's probably top ten or maybe just outside the top ten with the press box power rankings. I gotta look at the list, but 
Um, it's usually fine. And then Buffalo is the weirdest one of all because they give you so much food. It's almost like I'm back oh, at NJ. Right, but yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's like I'm right. back at NJ.com again where it's 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 quantity over quality. And it's like they have so much food, like so much. And they bring out pregame. They bring out halftime. They give out postgame. They have an entire dessert spread. And they have a massive like buffet style of all these types of food you can go and eat. But the wild thing is, is that whenever you eat it, you're like, none of it's really good. Like, so they give you a shit ton, but like, they'll give you like soft pretzels, but the soft pretzels are cold and the cheese is like just nukewarm. It's like, what the hell? They give you ice cream, but like the ice cream is like the little like dishes of ice cream that are like you had in school. And they give you like buffalo wings, but the buffalo wings are baked and like soft and mushy. And they give you like the worst is they give you these things called like eggs, but they're like cubed. So I call them, I think they're supposed to be scrambled eggs, but they look like egg cubes and they're just nasty. So you're like, oh, eggs, sausage, bagels, all this stuff. But then it's it's like none of it's good. And that's like like frustrating because like you eat there and I'm like, I'm just not happy I ate any of that. Damn it. Thing freaking fell. I should, you know, I should have just spent, I should have just done what I was going to do and and spent the $150 on Black Friday on the AirPods that you have, Tim, because these stink. Um, they always fall. It's like typically uh, I'm moving around too much. I guess I'm a little too hopped up on this coffee I'm drinking, but yeah, I mean, other than that, we just have, we have Miami and we have Buffalo and, and those two, I don't think are Miami should be fine. Like I, I will, I never hate eating in Miami. Usually they give you key lime pie, which is pretty good. Um, but Buffalo is like a, you always look at it and you're like, wow, this is going to be so good. And then you actually eat it and you're like, eh, and I get in this, uh, Janae Coakley is like big into the press box spread with me. Like she's real, she's real into it as well. So like she usually comes in cause she does the the pregame hit so she'll come in and immediately she does the rounds and she finds me she goes what are we thinking connor like what are we it's the immediate so she always goes into buffalo it's every year now like four years in a row she goes into buffalo she goes oh this has got to be great and every time i tell she's got to remember eventually every time i look at her and i'm like janae just eat it first like eat it and you'll understand what i say she's like look at this look i was like just it's 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 like it's it's like if you're marrying somebody and the personality's terrible like it's like eventually it's gonna run dry it might look great but it's not going to taste good. And that's what this is. It looks great. Doesn't taste good. And it's like, it's, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe they changed it post pandemic, but that's been every trip to Buffalo so far for me. Well, hopefully the jets look great and play great coming up this week against the Eagles. We'll Transition have a Timmy. preview of that coming up later in the week. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. If you want to subscribe to the athletic, I can't remember the exact percentage off that's going on right now. Maybe risk can remind me, but it's the athletic.com slash can't wait to get a great deal on the athletic. Thanks for joining us.